Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Peddling Fiction Podcast. I am your host, the voice and soul of so-called fiction broadcasting deep behind enemy lines from the Windy City. I am back in my own house for the first time in about six months. Feels kind of weird, not going to lie. Still working out some of the uh, the bugs in my setup here, so there's not going to be any video for this episode. But uh, back with me from his normal setup is my better half, Justin Hillbilly Boy Campbell. What's going on, man? Oh, nothing too much. Fighting the uh, fighting the good fight, trying to get at least you know moderately decent internet out here in the middle of nowhere. Um, supposedly they fixed it today, so we'll we'll see if. They fixed it like for real, or if they just fixed it like they have the last three times where it works for two days and then goes to shit shortly thereafter. Hmm. Uh, but it seems to be working pretty good so far. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, how the tables have turned. I've got ripping fast internet and fast computers now because I'm back in my office, but <laughs> no video yet. I'll, I'll get that fixed for the next episode. And, I can uh, always put in the, I can always create a video for this and just uh, plug in like a graphic or something of you on the, on the other side. Oh, there you go. All right. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's weird being back. I, I'm still sort of getting settled in, you know, figuring out where all my shit is because people have been in and out of here for the last uh, year or so. I've had a couple people use the place. I have, uh, my cousin's been staying here for the last couple of weeks. And uh, my sister was here with her uh, boyfriend a while ago. They did a lot of cleaning up, which I appreciated because my previous tenant fucking trashed the place and still owes me a lot of background. So that worked out. <laughs> but yeah, the place looks pretty good. Um, I don't, I got to say, don't really miss much of Chicago. <laughs> it's like, how's it feel to be back? I'm like, eh, I don't think there's much here for me. I still have a, a few friends that live in the city, but any one of my friends, most of which are, are now, they're all married with kids. They've all moved out of the city into the suburbs. And uh, I had a little uh, get together at my, my buddy's place in the suburbs, which is weird. He bought one of our friends old houses that one of our other best friends like grew up in. So he's living in there now, which is kind of weird. But yeah, getting out there was just like a colossal pain in the ass. My the tags on my car expired, and uh, my sister got a ticket driving that around, so I got to get that taken care of. But so me and my buddy are trying to figure out how to get, you know, to the suburbs from here. And you can take the train or you can take an Uber, 
And dude, these fucking Uber prices out here are fucking insane. Insane. Uh, first of all, getting back here was was a fucking nightmare. My travel day on Chicago uh, to Chicago on Friday took forever. I ended up arriving Saturday morning at about 3 a.m. I got home. I left the condo in Mexico at about 11.45 in the morning, and I arrived in Chicago at 3 a.m. So that was fun. And they wanted, they wanted $65 to take me from the airport to my house. And I decided to risk life and limb on the Chicago blue line at about two o'clock in the morning because <laughs> I'm not paying $65 for a fucking Uber. And uh, I survived. But then, yeah, just going around town, looking at these prices, man, I'm seeing the, the inflation that everyone's been talking about. And it, man, it, there is like some serious sticker shock, just like ordering like Thai food, everything. You know, I used to order from this one place uh, almost originally because it had such a great name. It was called Miso Asian. Miso spelled like the soup, M-I-S-O. <laughs> But their food is pretty good. And they had like a chicken salad. It used to be like $5 and change. It's now $9 and change. Every other dish was like up 40%. (laughs) You know, just like a a noodle, a a pod thai or something would start at like $13. And I'm old enough to remember when that shit was like $5 and 75 cents. Now that was a long time ago, but man, like Starts at thirteen dollars, and if you want to add like chicken or tofu to it, tack on another two. Holy shit, man! How is anybody doing this? Yeah, I, I, I have uh, eaten out a, a couple times over the last week or so. We we don't eat out normally. We buy like a shit ton of groceries and just cook and do everything at home because you know we're all trad and shit or whatever. Um, but we've we've eaten out a couple times over the last couple weeks. And, uh, like we just went to a, like a Chinese buffet that we used to go to pretty regularly. It was like almost $40 for three of us. I was like, what the hell? I remember when it was like $6 a person. Like, I mean, I, I ate my, uh, I ate my money's worth, but still. like, Yeah. It, it's, I, I don't know how, no, like, how people are doing it. I have no desire to to stay in the, in the U S at this point, but yeah, like I ordered from this, there's a Thai place across the street and it's like, I ordered one dish, one noodle dish and two appetizers. And it was like $40, $40 worth of food. And that's like, I don't know, like a meal, like two, I kind of get three meals out of it, but Jesus dude, $40 for a fucking noodle dish and some chicken satay. And uh, man, I don't know how anybody is fucking like, especially what you're getting like a cost of living adjustment. They give you like an extra two, three percent this year and like inflation's running at like 30 percent on most of the things that you buy. I haven't had to buy gas yet because I can't I don't want to drive my car and get another ticket. But that's going to be the next uh, the next sticker shock I get. Yeah, that one's that one's really going to get you something that was interesting that was uh, that was kind of coming out. Earlier in the year, back uh, when this whole Russia-Ukraine thing first started, and there was talk of like gas shortages and everything, is people were people were talking about that they were being uh, restricted on how much gas they could buy at the pumps uh, because the 
when the price of gas went up once for most of the for most credit cards or debit cards uh it has like a hundred dollar cap so on like the card not the uh not the gas station so so people were finally hitting that hundred dollar cap and it was cutting them off and so they were like screeching about how there were uh gas rationing and all of this stuff it's like you've clearly never driven a big truck like uh, you hit you hit the cap you swipe the card again and then you fill the rest of the way up like yeah but it was it was very humorous and, and amusing that like people were starting to hit that and uh and really kind of feel the effect of of gas prices being as high as they are yeah yeah this is going to be a major problem if it makes you feel any better i saw an interview with janet yellen the uh, current treasury secretary and former uh, chairman chairwoman of the federal reserve she admitted that she was wrong about the the path that inflation would take and i thought that was really rich you know i think i got that path wrong <laughs> like and then she blames it she blames it on the supply chain stuff and it's like well who could have seen the the covid thing happening and russia that like this <laughs> <laughs> to say that you got the path wrong and that you, you know, you, none of this was expected. Like this was a certainty. This amount of inflation was a certainty when you fucking create $7 trillion out of thin air and just start doling it out to everybody. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's still amazing to me that any of these people have credibility in the eyes of the American people. She was, I don't know if you guys remember this, like uh, this was probably about four or five years ago. She was giving an interview and she said that she didn't think she would see a financial crisis again in our lifetimes. <laughs> now, maybe, I mean, she's an older woman. I don't know how old she is. Maybe she thought, maybe she knew that COVID was coming and she thought she was going to die from, we were all going to die from that. But <laughs> the idea that in 2017, we weren't going to have a financial crisis again in our lifetime, like that is the most ridiculous fucking statement that's come out of a Fed chair person and there's been some doozies there's been you know it's the subprime is contained <laughs> like oh my god that's like i went through biden's cabinet when he first got elected and started announcing everybody and you looked at everybody that he was putting in these positions and they were all terrible <laughs> and and she above all like she's uh her time in the as the Fed chair was, oh my gosh, uh, like she every every speech she's given and and like thing that she pushed for when she was the the Fed chair was like steamrolling us towards inflation as fast as possible, like steamrolling us towards another economic meltdown as fast as possible. But then it, you would hear her speak and it was just like, oh, no, this is a good thing. This is why this is a good thing. And the average person is just too fucking stupid to understand that all the stuff that she's saying is just wishy-washy uh, fantasy land shit. Like, that's not how the world works. And so here we go. Just like drive this fucking thing right off the cliff. Yeah, it's going to be the, the next uh, and the next couple of months and years, I think, are going to be very scary financially. I don't, I don't see, I don't see an end, like a good way out. This is basically the corner that we've talked about painting ourselves into where there is no good solution to this. There's no easy way out. There's no pain-free solution to this. 
Um, they're going to keep, you know, the only thing politicians can do is try to kick this can down the road even further, offer you some more, you know, debt relief. They've allowed you to, they've basically coerced you into going into tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt. And now they're talking about doing things like, oh, we'll give you $10,000 in student loan relief. And the only thing that that's going to do is exacerbate the problem of inflation in particular, not to mention all the other moral hazards involved with starting to forgive people's student loans. Is that official yet? Is that official? I've seen talk about it. I don't know exactly where that is. Not yet. That's where... That's where the Biden administration seems to have kind of settled is that they're going to try to get the $10,000 student loan forgiveness pushed through, but it still has to go through. It still has to go through Congress. So we'll see. I'm not even sure if there's actual legislation written up on it yet. I just know that that's like the number that they ultimately ended up settling on. And how much of a kick in the teeth is that for all the like the uh young people who voted for Biden thinking that they were going to get their student loan forgiven, student loans forgiven. Like, yeah, you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans. We're going to forgive all of it. Eh, actually $10,000 of it. The rest of it, you're still on the hook for, but thanks for your vote. Yeah. Yeah. They'll, <laughs> if they can get that through Congress, it'll be like a slow drip kind of thing where it's like, we'll get you 10,000 this time. You vote for us the next time around. Maybe we can get you another 10,000 and a 10,000 after that. They're going to be dangling that shit in front of voters for you know as long as they can. And it, it, it amazes me. It's, it's literally just bribing people to vote for you. I don't understand how people can take this system seriously, claim they care about democracy, and then you basically just have vote for me. I will give you free money. Well, and then the big problem is that the public education system has done exactly what they intended it to. It's made the people so stupid that they don't see through the lie every time. It's like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll keep voting for you. You can give me that next 10000 when the, the appropriate response should be, you just sent, what, $7 billion to Ukraine? It was and a 40. I, yeah, I don't 40. know. I, I, they want to send another 700 million, I think I read today. Yeah, it's like you're sending millions and billions to Ukraine for what? But we get uh, $10,000. <laughs> right. Yeah, the the things are the whole country is really crumbling from every angle all around us and you can see where their priorities are. They're they're still taking care Uh, They're acting in their own self-interest that, you know, it's none of this Ukraine stuff is in the American people's interest. It's in the U.S. government military industrial complex interests, and they bill it as a way of, you know, democracy. We're humanitarians like like they couch everything. You know, it's either for your safety or it's for, you know, to protect democracy throughout the world and all this shit. And man, you know, I, I keep I remember seeing all these posts from people that were like, if I have to pay a little more at the pump to so this little girl can like <laughs> do something in Ukraine, vote in Ukraine or whatever, I'm willing to do that. And I, I, I wonder what the um, what the dollar amount is where those people are going to cry uncle. We've got to be approaching it right like <clears throat> with 
with the cost of just literally everything rising exponentially, um, just and just over the last three months, like yeah, it, it seems to be getting exponential, like, and that's usually how it you know how it goes. It, there's a delay. It's sort of like a you know I like that analogy. I forget whose it was. It might have been like Irwin shifts or something where you you have like really shitty water in like a dump of an apartment and you turn on the shower to hot water and it's cold for like two minutes. And then all of a sudden it's fucking scalding hot. And then you try to turn it back down to cold and it takes like another like 40 seconds. And meanwhile, you're getting scalded and then you're freezing. And that's sort of the way the inflation works. There's it's not there. And then all of a sudden it's like drinking from a fire hose. Everything you're going to buy is going to go through the fucking roof. What, what was it? I saw this like dumb left wing talking point on Twitter the other day. And I really, I should have looked at it a little more closely just to, just to see what it is they were talking about. But there were people that were talking about um, that inflation is back to normal. Like back so, to normal. So, so what's, what's normal? I mean, it's back to like 4%. That's we're still like, you're still getting fucked. Um, and if, like, yeah, yeah, what's normal? I don't know. These people are retarded. Like, they're actually brain dead. Yeah. Well, it, it does go back to the, the government school system has done their job. You know, we always talk about how the education system is failing people. It's failing in their, their stated goals, but really it's working exactly the way they want it to. It's creating a bunch of lemmings that will just parrot the talking points and they will stay, you know, they will do that as the sink is shipping, uh, the, the ship is sinking. They will be just like, you know, bobbling, bobbleheads going along with the story as they literally drown to death. Like the, the whole, you know, everything is crumbling around them and they refuse. They refuse to just entertain the possibility of an alternative or like an ulterior motive. Maybe the government doesn't have their best interest in mind. That's kind of like getting back around to this whole, the gun control thing that's been, you know, really getting pushed through the news with the, all of the shootings, which nobody for some reason seems to think that it's suspicious in any way, how, just how convenient certain things are about all these shootings. But, you know, now they're coming back around to this and, and everybody's like, or at least, everybody on the left side of the argument. It's like, yeah, why do you need an AR-15? Yeah, why do you need all this ammo? Yeah, why do you need all this, 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 and this? Like, Because they are actively wrecking everything about the economy, everything about your ability to just be a normal human being and have a regular life. And pretty soon they're going to use that to come after all of us. And the only thing that stands between them and that is... The fact that we do have guns, I don't know. It just seems, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's pretty unbelievable. It like it's almost as if the summer of 2020 never happened, and there weren't thousands of people roaming through neighborhoods, destroying people's uh, property, burning things to the ground. <laughs> like th- that alone should should have like wake something up in everybody. Be like, oh, you know, I I would like to be able to defend myself and my family and protect my livelihood here. And right. That, and that's just if, one aspect of it because, because we saw the what the summer, cops did there. Yep. Yeah, if the summer of 2020 did not show us anything else, 
it proved definitively that the cops do not care about you and will not protect you just as much as they do not care about and will not protect a bunch of school children in Texas. Yeah. And that, I mean, God, that, that story just keeps getting worse when it comes to the, the police response to that. It really is just unbelievable how, how long they sat out there despite, you know, some of these kids were calling from the school three or four times over a 40 minute period. Beg, like imagine getting a call from a nine-year-old begging you to come save them. And you're just kind of sitting out there. It, it takes a, it takes a special kind of heartless motherfucker to do that. Like, it, yeah. I mean, obviously I, I can't say I've ever been in like a combat situation and nobody really knows how they're going to react when, shit hits the fan and bullets start to fly. But there's, you know, there's one thing when you're being shot at and you sort of, you know, do that thing where you just curl up in the foxhole, the proverbial foxhole. There's a whole other thing when like you've, you've signed up to do this and there are little kids begging for you to help them and you stand down. And it's like, dude, I don't, you know, I couldn't imagine just like running through the scenario in your head. How are you going to live with yourself after that? Let's say you do survive and all these kids die. And then you have to go through the rest of your life knowing that you, you pushed out, <laughs> you let kids die because you were too afraid. And, I, and when the entire purpose of your existence, like we, you and I, we know that the reason the cops exist is to, be the enforcement arm of a tyrannical government but the way it's you know the way it's pitched and sold as a good thing is that they're here to protect the community they're here to protect the people think about the children we need the police so that we can all be safe and our children can be safe and grow up in with safety and security and then the one instance where it's literally children who they should be coming to the to the defense of they're like no, we're we're gonna we're gonna wait this one out. We're, we're gonna see what happens. Yeah, it's yeah, you said it, and that's the first thing that every uh, conditioned statist will go to when you talk about taxation being theft. We should abolish the government. Well, what about police and fire? Now, I guess you could make an argument, like you could make a better argument for the fire department at this point than you could the police although I could shred fire departments as well. But like over the last couple of years, after you've seen the behavior of police uh, abusing, you know, uh, people for, you know, nonviolent crimes, they're, they're always gung ho to beat up on somebody when they have the advantage, you know, five to one, they're, they're all real tough guys. Then they don't do shit while half the city fucking burns to the ground during this, the peaceful protests and now they and it, and this isn't the first instance, but now this is like one of the worst instances where they sit by while a bunch of little kids get slaughtered on their watch and they do nothing for what 40 minutes to an hour. We still haven't gotten a, a good timeline from these cops because now, as you were talking about before the show, they've they've uh, stopped cooperating with the uh, Texas investigation. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? The <clears throat> the cops and the school district have stopped have stopped cooperating with the Texas State Police uh, in in the investigation they're conducting into the incident. It's like okay, so 
you're acknowledging that not only did the cops fuck up, but also that the school fucked up and they're trying to look into it. And now they're refusing to cooperate because they know they fucked up. And, you know, yeah, it's funny because even the cops know that you should never fucking talk to the cops. <laughs> it's like <laughs> lawyer, lawyer. That's what drives me crazy about all these fucking shows on TV. You're watching these guys like, why the fuck are you talking to these cops? I guess there wouldn't be a show without it, but just lawyer the fuck up. Don't say a goddamn word. Yeah. You know, when you get to the point where it, it's clear, we know they fucked up, right? When you act in such a dishonorable way and it comes out and here we are, like the only honorable thing that you can do, which is not like... <laughs> Which isn't saying much at this point. It's at least just fucking cooperate with the investigation. Own it. You you made that fucking bed. You gotta you gotta sleep in it now. And you know it's like they're trying to protect their fucking pensions and shit. It's it's disgusting. Well, and an interesting thing uh, from my perspective on this with having kids who are in school is the the school refusing to cooperate as well because. How did this how did this kid get in? And like you can see with the videos of him walking up, like the gun is not concealed. He didn't like walk up to the school and just like trick them into letting him in, thinking that he was unarmed. Like he's physically carrying the gun as he approaches the doors of the school. How did he get in? Like you can't just walk into any school around here. Like our kids elementary schools the middle schools the high schools you have to go up get buzzed in then they let you into an inner door and then somebody's usually meeting you in the in the lobby like uh half the time i try to go to the school i won't even they won't even let me in at all they're like yeah we'll send somebody out to you uh it's like okay um like you can't you can't just traipse willy-nilly into a school and supposedly this school had a, a resource officer who said something to the kid. Like you can see in the videos, he's clearly carrying a gun. So this resource officer was just like, Oh, Hey, what are you doing with that gun there? Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Have a nice day. What the fuck happened here? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard a lot of different like conflicting reports. Some teacher like opened up a back door and left it open, but then you can see them close it. Or it was propped open for a while. Uh, it, it, it really is all over the place. And the fact, like the fact that these people are not going to help us get to the bottom of it is just very, very fucking despicable. Like at this point, I, 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 I mean, I guess you shouldn't be surprised based off of the way that they behaved in that sort of situation that they're also not going to, um, they're not going to admit to any wrongdoing and help this investigation sort of move on. I, I, it's just a scathing fucking indictment of yet another pillar of this whole government apparatus that they, this, this social contract thing rests on, you know, it's, it's police, it's fire, it's the education system. It's that all of that has been just by our standards an abysmal failure by their standards. You know, a lot of it's working as it should. But by what the how it was billed to the American people, you guys were sold a crock of shit. And it's time to come to terms with that. And it's not something that can be fixed 
by the government. Like this is not a problem that government is going to solve. <laughs> this is a problem that government has created, exacerbated, and there's no element within government to address these sort of things. They don't have a, a profit and loss system. They don't have any mechanism for telling you, you know, telling them how to allocate resources properly. And it's not, you know, it's not a bug in the system. It's a feature of government. They are incapable of addressing these types of issues. And the same goes for, you know, police forces. They don't know how to allocate resources properly, which is why you just end up with a bunch of fucking cops writing chicken shit tickets like the one my sister got for my expired tags. They're all over that. When there's a fucking nickel in it for them, they are Johnny on the spot. And when your kids are being shot at gunpoint, executed by a fucking lunatic, eh, you know, they're, they're going to wait that one out so that they can get their fucking full pension. And, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to see, you know, just how flawed this system is. And every, you know, it's always the things that they hold up as the, you know, the most sank, you know, the, the, the be all end all, the, the holy grail of this, this whole religion of the state, all these pillars are just crumbling. And we just got that, that verdict in the Sussman trial. If you still had faith in the judicial system, um, this one might sort of put that to bed. I, I don't know how people could have faith in the judicial system after all this time either. But they still go to that. You know, it's always every time you put forth, you know, these libertarian ideas of abolishing certain federal government agencies, departments, maybe the whole thing, if you want to go the, the entire ANCAP route, they will immediately go, as you said, to the police, to the school system, and then to the judicial system. Have you been following the, the Sus, Sussman trial at all? No, not really. Okay. Basically, this is the, the Clinton campaign lawyer, Michael Sussman, and he was being accused of lying to the FBI, which, you know, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know how I feel about lying to the FBI and that being a crime. But in this case, it was pretty fucking blatant that he lied to the FBI. He, he was the one that presented the evidence that the FBI needed to pursue this whole uh, Russia collusion thing for Donald Trump, right? He got the okay from Clinton. He admitted that, you know, she knew about this and he, she, he can roll with it. And he goes to the FBI with this supposed evidence that Donald Trump is a, is a Russian agent, right? And he's colluding with Putin and blah, 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 blah. He doesn't tell the FBI that he's working on the behalf of the Clinton campaign, and the FBI knows that he works for the Clinton campaign. They don't seem to ask any questions. It's, it's sort of like a don't ask, don't tell approach. Like they don't want to know where this is coming from because they, they clearly wanted to pursue this angle and destroy Donald Trump's presidency. And so he goes on trial. Now, I didn't follow much of the trial either until after the verdict came out. And then they started talking about the jurors that were on this uh, on this trial and the judge. And it is like, dude, it is so fucking blatantly corrupt. I have. <laughs> have you heard any of this? Mm -mm. OK, um, I, I have 
I've been paying so much attention to the different shooters and, and shootings and, and what's kind of the fallout of that. I, I have missed, I've completely missed the boat on this one. Okay, good, good. Well, so we'll, we'll break it down here, but so he, he's basically on trial for lying to the FBI and they can pretty easily prove that he lied to them. Some of these jurors. So on the, on the jury, we have three Clinton donors uh, one AOC donor, and they admitted to this when they were doing the jury selection. Uh, one donor for AOC, a woman whose daughter played on the same crew, uh, is a crew team as Sussman's daughter. So they go to the same school, they're on the same team. Um, I, I have some other stuff here. It keeps going. The uh, hang on, let me pull up my thing here. Yeah, this is uh, from the Boston Herald. So yeah, there were people that contributed to the Hillary Clinton campaign. Um, there was a, yeah, yeah, a former bartender who contributed to AOC. The husband of the juror, uh, a husband of a juror worked on Hillary's 2008 campaign. They had another juror who was uh, you know, pretty gung-ho about the defunding the police thing from 2020, which... Obviously, you can sort of infer what what sort of uh, political leanings they have. The um, yeah, one of the daughters was on the crew team with Sussman's kids. The judge overseeing this trial was appointed by Obama. He worked in the Department of Justice with Sussman. He also worked at the uh, same law firm as Eric Holder. His wife was married as a lawyer. And she worked as national security counsel, counselor to Eric Holder. And she now has a private practice with um, one of her clients is Lisa Page, who participated in another Clinton disinformation campaign. And, oh, by the way, the, um, the one who presided over their wedding was Merrick Garland the wedding of the judge and his uh, his lawyer wife. So it's just like, it literally is just like the DC swamp has its tentacles all over this trial. So it's, it's, it's basically stacked with people who were either like actively working for the Clinton campaign or clearly, you know, I think there was like another never Trumper on the jury. Like it's so anti-Trump in that courtroom that no matter what this, you know, no matter what the they proved, how many times he lied, they, they actually interviewed some of the jurors after this. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's like they 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 kind of proved their case, but we have bigger issues to deal with. <sighs> like they, we don't really care. You know, it's basically like they're going for jury nullification because they don't care. They don't think this should be a thing because. They lied. He lied to the FBI, but it was to get Donald Trump. Man, so, I don't I know. Mean, it, he definitely got a jury of his peers, didn't he? <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's just like this to, to have faith in a system like this that could just be so blatantly corrupt. Um, not, you know, I, I don't really care that that people lie to the FBI, but like this really kicked off the whole investigation into Donald Trump and everything that the news media picked up and ran with for two, three years, Donald Trump being a Russian agent uh, is kind of a big deal, kind of a, kind of a big deal. And yeah, he's getting off because the, the jury was, they did a terrible job of selecting this jury, but, and the judge knew about, uh, knew about these things, knew that the, 
Um, that guy's the juror's daughter was playing on the same team as the defendant's daughter. It's it, it's incredible. It, it's well, incredible well, that they the, can get away with it. What was the prosec- prosecution doing during jury selection on this? Like, I, I mean, I, I understand you only have a certain number of uh, jurors that you can decline or whatever, but holy hell, or should have moved for a mistrial or like I don't know. I'm, I obviously I'm not a lawyer, but it feels like. It feels like the level of corruption goes a little past just like the judge and the jury. Uh, you know, may, maybe the prosecution wasn't uh, wasn't putting its best case forward in this yeah. situation. I mean, you it know, you you are me. you are trying to prosecute somebody who's directly linked to a Clinton. So, uh, you know, uh, personal health and and uh, you know life expectancy may dictate that you shouldn't push too hard on this right yeah yeah and i haven't heard much about the the prosecutors in this one but yeah it wouldn't surprise me they they know how this town works they know where their fucking bread is buttered and they're gonna you you know you go through the motions you're like okay we'll put this one guy on trial and you know sometimes they do that when they get one scapegoat like the the one poor bastard that actually did jail time after the 2008 financial crisis i forget his name but literally only like one banker went to fucking jail for that and you weren't sure if that was going to be this guy but after you see how the dac is stacked in his stacked in his favor the idea that he got off on this is is no surprise at all so it does just seem like in you know if you're working for the regime and you're playing the the game properly, you you are not at risk at all. Like they put a lot of fucking Trump's people in fucking prison for lying to the FBI, right? They were going against the regime. So this is just like one big fucking dog and pony show. And it's on full display how fucking corrupt they are at, at every turn, every turn, the judicial system, the police force, like the whole fucking covid thing with the cdc and the world health like you just see everything is totally totally fucked and it's not just like stupid or liar it's stupid and liar like they are fucking lying deliberately to cover their ass they're lying deliberately to control you and they're fucking a bunch of incompetent idiots right the lies aren't even good anymore like half of this half of this stuff for anybody who's like just paying a little bit of attention. It's like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Why, why would you even say that? Well, uh, I mean, it's what you see from every time Kamala Harris gets on stage to speak every time the, this new press secretary, I can't remember, remember her name. Um, like they spend their entire time dancing around, answering questions, dancing around, actually saying anything of meaning or, or usefulness. And the things that they do say, make no fucking sense whatsoever and and people are like oh yes they're they're doing so good because they're uh gay black women of multi-ethnic or multinational ethnicities and yada 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 like they 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 check all the boxes so it doesn't matter that literally nothing they say makes any sense whatsoever yeah yeah we are they're certainly seem more concerned with um yeah, putting like a, you know, it's almost like putting lipstick on a pig. <laughs> Am I using that right? 
So I got the hillbilly so. nod of approval there. <laughs> just like, we don't really care how good of a job they do as long as we make this look good. And this is, you know, this is what people care about. They care about these, uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion agenda more so than they care about results. And, you know, that's all well and good when things are going well, you know, when you're making good money, everybody's got a job and, you know, prices aren't going through the fucking roof. You can afford to put food on your table. You can afford the roof over your head. A lot of people will overlook some of this crazy shit. But now that the, the whole economy is teetering on the, on the brink of collapse, prices are going through the roof. Uh, people are being bombarded with this woke shit in every aspect of life. Like the uh, parents are finally starting to realize what their kids were being indoctrinated at because they, they were doing homeschooling during this whole COVID thing. Um, and and it, it does seem like it's all sort of coming to a head. And I don't think you're going to get by with just like, oh, look how great we are. We, we just appointed the first person of color, LGBTQ plus to this important position. I, I think at, at a certain point, that's, that's going to ring very hollow, even to the people that are like the big proponents of it, because the rest of the fuck, their life is just in disarray. This All is, right. It's, I think, okay. So I think you're right. Like the, especially when you see stuff the way it's been for the last two years, like as soon as stuff starts to really hit the fan, then it, it always exacerbates any problem that's already there. Like none of this stuff that we're dealing with right now is new, right? Like the, police incompetence that's not new the school system being a complete fucking failure that's not new uh inflation that's not new like all of this stuff has been happening but now what you've got to see is whenever things do start to get a little bit bad then all of the things that were already not good start to just erode it's the thing with the uh how did you go broke you know uh, slowly at first and then all at once it's, yeah yeah, and it's yeah. There, there's. I don't know what the straw that that breaks the camel's back is going to be. I personally think it's that inflation is just completely out of control. Uh, it, it, there's no end to it in sight. There's no plan to to actually seriously deal with it. And so I think that's what's really gonna do it for people. When you're just like like the other night, I was trying to take a, a an Uber, like literally six blocks. And they wanted $18 to do it. And I could walk it in like 12 minutes, but I was just like, let me just see how much this got. It was $20 to take me six blocks. Uh, we've got, you know, people are going to really start to struggle to do just basic everyday things. And I, I think there's going to be major backlash. At least I, I hope there's going to be major backlash that the, the fear for me is that like people don't seem to understand the the root cause of these problems. They just, they blame the other team, you know, and this is sort of the, the game that they've set up where it's like, you have two choices, you have Republicans or you have Democrats and you let the, the, the Republicans run things for a little while and they fuck everything up. And so you go back to the Democrats and then the Democrats fuck things up and you go back to the Republicans and you're really just getting two sides of the same coin there. Um, you know, the old uh, 
the old Michael Malice saying conservatives are progressives going the speed limit like that. Yeah. Okay. You'll, you you might slow things down a little bit, but you're going to end up at the same point, whether you're doing the Republican thing or the Democrat thing. And really the, <laughs> if you haven't caught the, uh, the theme of this by now, the problem is government. It is the government thing that is at the root cause of all these issues. And it is baked into that cake. It is, you know, it's on paper, it doesn't work. And we're seeing it sort of play out in reality now. We are in the last throes of this wonderful thing they call democracy. And all, every single one of them has collapsed throughout history. And it looks like we're going to get to live through the collapse of this one. Yay! Yeah. Not saying not saying I called it, but I mean, a lot of people called it. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it, it, it just doesn't take much to call it at this point. It's so fucking obvious. Uh, like the inflation thing is like, how do you, you just printed up seven trillion dollars? Like, oh, yeah, I, I kind of misread that one. It's like, really? Did you really misread it? What's well, like, like to the to the point that the government fucks up everything it touches. Look at what was it 1971 at the inception of the department of education where has education in the u.s gone from that point straight in the shitter look at every state that spends the most on police like the the highest police budgets they're also the states that have the most crime and and like you could make the argument that the reason that they spend that much money on their police is because they have that much crime but like there there's no there's no actual evidence of that like yeah they are they are spending more and more money and accomplishing less and less so yeah what's yeah, you know well, what good they, is that doing it, yeah and they they make the same case for education i was actually arguing with somebody on twitter like maybe a week or so ago because i was like yeah look at look at education it's like they they keep spending more and more money on this and it's a complete disaster and he's like what are you talking about like the schools that get more funding outperform the schools that get less funding like all the time <laughs> i'm like that may be true I, I will even grant you that although i don't know that for sure but let's say hypothetically school x gets twenty thousand dollars per student and school y gets fifteen thousand dollars per student and school x outperforms school y okay however school x today compared to school X 40, 50 years ago with $5,000 per student was outperforming, you know, the, the school that it is today. So it's like, they may be outperforming the shitty schools, but they're all getting shittier the more money they get. If that makes sense, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, you can outperform like a shitty inner school with more, with more funding in the suburbs or something, but that school in the suburbs Today, compared to how it was doing 50 years ago before the Department of Education, uh, well, I guess it was like exactly 50 years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> 60 years ago before the Department of Education, it, it's like a colossal every year. Like they get worse in all of these categories. They get worse in reading comprehension. They get worse in math and science and graduation rates, all of it. Oh, man. Talking about the graduation rates, uh, have you, I know we're, I'm going to derail us off into, Department of Education talk because I, I absolutely hate everything about the education system in this country. Um, have you seen the thing like it's in California, Atlanta, uh, I want to say Chicago, New York, like all the big like metropolitan areas. Um, 
they they tout these like exceptional graduation rates, especially in minority schools, like predominantly minority schools. And then when they go and like they actually check on these kids who are graduating, like these kids who are who are literally being sent off to go to college, like given grants and, and loans and everything else to go to college, they're effectively illiterate. Like yep. most of them can't read beyond a third grade level, if even if even that, like completely yeah. illiterate. They know nothing. They're getting pushed through the system to tout these impressive graduation rates. They send them off to school for a year, saddle them with $15,000 in debt at a school that there's no way they can succeed in because they don't know how to fucking read and write. And then, and then they wash out. Now they've got government debt that they've got to deal with. And they have absolutely no useful skills or uh, like even basic knowledge of just, I don't know how to do anything. Yeah, no. Well, and it's like, like I said, this is not like, oh, we can fix this bug in the education system. And like, no, this is a feature of the education system. They probably get fucking funding based on graduation rates. It doesn't matter to them what happens to these kids afterwards. And yeah, sure, let's funnel a bunch of illiterate kids that don't know how to read and write. They don't know how to do basic arithmetic into college. And now people go to college and they spend the first year taking like fucking rudimentary eighth grade English classes instead of doing college stuff. You're, you're taking fucking elementary school classes at the college level and paying out the ass for it. By the way, you're borrowing money to pay out the ass for that. So the, you know, the uh, university system loves it because even if you drop out after a year or two, they still get to fucking butter their bread from that government loan. Uh, and yeah, and then so then you graduate with your college dropout with, you know, ten twenty thousand $20,000 in debt. You have no job prospects. You've been trained for nothing. Uh, it, yeah, it's and now you just look to the government. Well, what do I do now? And they say, well, you know, here's a government program to help you do this. Here's vote for me and I'll do this for you. Vote for me and we'll give you that. And my God, like talk to anybody that's been living off of government handouts for their entire life and see how that's been going for them. Just subsistence living, you know, begging for fucking crumbs day after day, never being happy, never feeling any sense of accomplishment or anything like that. You've just been beaten down and mentally fucking uh, just destroyed told you're a victim. You can't get ahead. You know, obviously, you know, this is just racism. These kids can't read. They can't write. They can't do math because of white supremacy. You know, all these, uh, this, uh, what do they call it? Institutionalized racism. It's getting exponentially worse every year, despite all the diversity, equity, and inclusion. We just keep getting more institutionalized racism. And that's why these kids can't pass tests. And so we get rid of the test requirements because, you know, math is racist and all this other shit. And they just keep eliminating anything, you know, any challenges that these kids are supposed to go through. And you wonder why, like we talked about on the last episode, these kids today, they don't know how to deal with failure. They don't have anything going for them. They're depressed. They're demoralized. They have no sense of accomplishment because they've never accomplished anything and they've never been, you know, challenged to accomplish anything. So they have like not having a sense of accomplishment must be a really depressing thing when you go, even if you graduate college and you're like 26 now, 
and you just you have you know nothing, you have no skills, you just have a bunch of debt, and you you did okay, okay, government, I did everything I was supposed to do. Now what? And you get an answer from Joe Biden, just like a bumbling, incoherent response. And maybe we'll give you here ten thousand here, sixteen hundred dollars here. You know, just keep fucking voting for us, and we'll string you along, and we'll make sure you get by. We're gonna be making fucking tens of millions of dollars every year, raiding the treasury, raiding your purchasing power, lining our pockets, the bankers, all the politically connected in D.C. <laughs> and you're just going to be churned out, just completely fucked from this entire, this entire system was built by government propaganda and it's perpetuated by government propaganda. And there's really, and they try to put the blame on the free market system, which drives me absolutely crazy, but I can't imagine. And even in like these dystopian, you know, free market uh, scenarios people come up with it being any worse than the current situation. You know, it's incredibly funny how the left is so good at screaming at how the system is corrupt, the system, systematic racism, systematic misogyny, systematic, whatever, everything is the fault of this horrible system. And so their immediate solution is give more money to the system. Yeah. Well, that's where the incentive structure lies with government. The government fucks up or they let you down somehow. It's because they needed more money. I'm sure this raw, uh, the, the Texas uh, department, just the police department just needed more funding. They needed a couple more fat ass, lazy officers to stand around their dicks in their hands for 20 minutes while kids get shot. You know, it's like the, you know, the, uh, we're we talking about the FDA needs another $28 million for baby formula stuff. Like they, they fuck up and they get more money. The school fucks up. They need more funding per student. And they end up just blowing that money, growing the administrative, you know, staff, the, the bureaucracy gets bigger. Uh, the, the schools gets like a new shiny gym or something, or the cafeteria gets a, a facelift, but the, the kids don't get better educators. And yeah, that that's that whole incentive structure does not exist in the free market. In the free market, you provide value or you go out of business. <laughs> like you don't just get to be like, oh, your kid got a terrible education. I'm sorry. Give us another 30% increase and we'll we'll make sure we do a better job this time around. Yeah. The, the, no, we fucked up with your money last time, but if you give us more of that money, we'll get it right this time. We that, just needed, that we just is needed the to entire, hire more people. Yeah. No, that you just gave us the entire pitch for every politician. And a lot of them have been doing this for like 60 fucking years. Every year they come up there and be like, yeah, we're just going to spend more money on this and more money on that. And yeah, it's a complete disaster now. But if we just spend a little more, we'll, we'll get it right this time. That is the incentive structure in the in the government sector and in the private sector it is the exact opposite. You cannot ask for more money unless you deliver more value or you delivered value in the first place. And and therein, you know, that's why private schools do better. That's why everything that's private is exponentially better than anything the government has provided for you. Because it has to be. Because they they can't put a gun to your head and force you to use their services. Anyway, I don't know. I guess is that enough for today? Oh, I feel like that's a pretty good way to wrap. We uh went back to our 
our usual uh, hammering board there. But man, I mean, it's as if it wasn't so like blatantly obvious before 2020. If the last two years haven't like really just shown this massive spotlight on how inept the government is and how everything, like literally everything they touch just turns to complete and utter shit. I, I, I don't know what's that. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know what's going to convince people. That's I, I think it's just a matter of reaching them, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to start this show, because they're, you're going to get the propaganda response. You know, they're going to blame it on Putin or something like that. And there has to be a voice out there that cuts through that shit and breaks down the problems that, you know, how they've created it from the get go. Education is a great example. College degrees is a great example. Like you used to be able to work your way through college, like waiting tables in the summer. That's what it cost to get a fucking college degree. Now you could work a fucking full-time job and somehow take like night college courses and not be able to afford it. And th- that price increase is 100% laid at the, the foot of the government. And so like, there has to be somebody out there that can reach the younger generation of people, explain to them how the government is the one that's raping them from every fucking angle. And no matter what they say, you have to be able to see through, see through the propaganda, see through their bullshit and look to solutions that have a track record of working. <laughs> like I, if you, I always tell people, I'm like, if you can tell me a, a system better than, you know, free market capitalism that can provide, you know, more, more wealth, more opportunity to more people around the world than, than the free markets. I'm open. I'll, I'll hear your, hear out your case, but you can't just keep dusting off like fucking Marxism, rebranding it as something else. And and claiming that that's the solution because it's that has failed epically every time it's tried. But anyway, in other words, start sharing this show, send it to people that you think need to hear it, so that we can start converting all of these people, showing them the light. I don't know what you got coming up. Anything you got to plug? Um, not yet. Uh, maybe on Friday's episode. I'm I'm uh, if I get a if I get confirmation, then I'll have something to plug. But as of right now, no. All right. Well, I can tease a couple of things because since I am in Chicago for about the next uh, three and a half, four weeks, something like that, there is a, I don't know if you guys have heard of this podcast. It's called Part of the Problem. Dave Smith and Robbie the Fire Bernstein are going to be in Chicago on June 18th. That is three Saturdays from now. They're doing some stand-up comedy. Uh, what's it called? Like the Lincoln Lodge or something like that. They're, do- they're doing a stand-up show. I will be going to that with a couple of buddies of mine. But on the 19th, the Sunday after that, me and Robbie the Fire Bernstein are going to be doing a live summer porch tour podcast from my rooftop here in the Windy City. I think because we're we're gonna go to a Cubs game after that. Robbie wanted to go to a Cubs game, so we're gonna hit we're gonna hit the 120 Cubs game on Father's Day. But before that, we will be doing a live podcast on my rooftop. Me and Robbie the Fire. We haven't figured out. I, I think it's gonna be before the game, so probably around 11 a.m. like a brunch and a live podcast there. So I'm pretty excited about that. 
I believe there will be tickets on sale pretty soon. We got to hammer out the details. Robbie just texted me today. So we're going to we're gonna do tickets to that. We'll probably get about 30 or so people up there. More details on that to come. If you are in the Chicago area and you are a supporting listener of the show, I will invite you to that podcast free of charge. So you won't have to buy tickets. I will make sure you get in and we have a spot for you. That's awesome. That's my big news. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. Me and uh, me and Robbie hung out at the the super spreader for a while. I made sure he didn't die from uh, Mexican dysentery or something like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I- I'm looking forward to that. That's pretty much all I got to uh, look forward to while I'm in Chicago here. But yeah, I his stand up, he fucking killed it at the at the super spreader. I saw Dave probably five or six years ago in Chicago. So it's been a while since I saw him, but he was really funny too. So I'm looking forward to that. They are doing a live podcast after their late show on the 18th. I might see if I can get on to that. See if I can plug the next Sayuli to Super Spreader, but I better get the details for that together. So that's what I'll be working on for the next week or so. That's going to be December of this year. So keep an ear out for that and your schedule clear. I think that's about it. Better wrap quick. We're running out of time. Oh, shit. Less than a minute. <laughs> Man, I can really fucking ramble. All right. Well, follow us on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. Become a supporting listener to the show. All right. So, um, yeah, we got cut off there. <laughs> Fuck this goddamn Zoom meeting shit. But, yeah, if you become a supporting listener to the show, basically all you got to do, I'll, I'll link to it in the description. Go to pedalingfictionpodcast.com. Click on the support the show tab. Set up a recurring monthly donation for any denomination you want. And that will get you into the happy hour group that we do every other Friday. We're going to do one this Friday to make up for last Friday because I was traveling for 14 hours. So any recurring monthly donation will get you into that. And it will also get you in free of charge to the Robbie the Fire Bernstein Peddling Fiction Summer Porch Tour Extravaganza on June 19th. And like I said, share the show. We, we really need to get uh, get more people into this movement. I, 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 I want to see our numbers really, really tick up this year. So do all that for us. And we will be back with a brand new episode for you on Friday, hopefully. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on peddling that so-called fiction. Peace. Peace.